Hey, Prague people, this is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. I'm Kina. I'm Megan. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> it we, happens every time. Every time. <laughs> well, one time uh, we had a guy and he was like, and we're like, it's a podcast. I can't see you. <laughs> I'm like, you got one job and nodding is not it. we are a historian and a librarian and a special guest bringing you the funny weird spooky and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes yes and today is episode 63 i can't believe we're in the 60s already so 63 and it is probably one of the most hardest topics i've had and that is music i've had such a hard time picking because i okay so my what mine was random and it's drums and i'm like well fuck (laughs) (laughs) i'm like okay do i go like history of drums of all different types do i pick drummers like what do i do so uh stay tuned to see what fuckery i've come up with (laughs) like what what i've chosen (laughs) and if you guys don't know natalie was a drummer for like ever right just yeah i still play yeah, i still, still play my drum sets and everything yeah so i imagine that would be like the worst opportunity I know. <laughs> it's like a baby how do you pick which one's your favorite <laughs> right yeah for sure oh man so megan this is the first time I've, I, I've met you so tell me who are you what do you do how do you know natalie tell me all your secrets what so, you it's not about me not secrets about me <laughs> <laughs> Natalie and I met at college. We were pretty good friends. Uh, We drank ices at like two in the morning a lot. I know. (laughs) So that's how I met Natalie. We were both in the band program. Right now I live in like north-ish Texas. I don't know if it's still considered north Texas. I'm very directionally challenged, so it's in that area. You're in good company. I have no sense of direction either. It's like past that tree somewhere. I don't know. Um, what part of North Texas? I'm from South Texas. I live in the Dallas area, but I live in a little town called Van Alstine. Oh, okay. We just moved here actually like a month ago. So we're still trying to get settled. So, yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Texas. We're like the new hotspot soon. So, yay. Po show. Oh, we had our first death today in my county. It's really sad. Oh, wow. Thanks, Kim. I'm bringing it down. I don't want to leave the house. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's good times. Good times. So I really hope all your guys' stories are really funny because my morbid is also really sad. And I kept thinking about it. I'm like, what if there's a sad too? And this whole episode is just like, <laughs> well, mine's not uh, depressing. <laughs> check and check. <laughs> Had all day since I wrote the thing. I was like, God damn it, Kina. Why do I do this? Man, what else can I right. ask you about Natalie? <laughs> or about yourself, because you're more interesting. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be. What do you do now? Like, what do you do here in Texas? You or your husband? What are you guys doing here? Me? Huh? Um, they know what I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be clear. No. <laughs> Actually, we, I was living in like a little town in East Texas and I taught band for a couple of years and then he wanted to go back to school. So we relocated to North Texas so he could go to Denton, UNT. So that's why we're here. 
And then um, I never actually went back to teaching. So I got a job at like a call center and then um, I moved up and I do quality control for like our credentialing department now. Oh, and I get to work from home. So that's nice. Oh, that is really nice. And he does like land surveying stuff. So it's really funny that I'm directionally challenged because that's his <laughs> whole career. So just, yeah. Okay. The- so if you're close to Denton, that means you're by Goatman's Bridge, right? Sure. It's, it's, like <laughs> a, it's like a super haunted bridge. Somebody told me about it. They're like, oh, you can go yeah. see it. And then I was like, I am so far away from that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know the name of it, but I actually think I've been there. Yeah. Old Alton Bridge. I just Googled it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that name. Yeah. yeah, I went there with a friend actually, but it was in the daylight, so you know, wasn't that <laughs> scary. Go at night and record everything. <laughs> well, <laughs> record back. Crazy because me and that same friend, we went to like apparently there's a haunted bridge where I used to teach, and uh, we went there, and I was freaking out. I like couldn't even drive my car. I was like, I'm not going down this road. I'm not driving. Like in my head, there was just so much playing out and they're like dying. Cause they're like, it's not that serious. But in my mind, there's a lot happening. So I'm like, I am not driving down this road. I'm not doing it. So my friend's like, well, I'll drive. And we ended up going to like this haunted cemetery. And uh, me and one of my other friends, we heard a noise. And of course we ran, <laughs> but I don't know what it was. And then we were like, we should go back. So we, went, we left and then we went back. Because we couldn't, like, get over ourselves to go. Because we wanted to walk to the very end of the fence. And that was that. (laughs) Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. If I ever back up there, one of my friends, well, she's a Patreon. She's in Arlington. Mm. Outside of Fort Worth. So every time we go there, I'm like, we need to do a detour to Denton so I can go to another haunted bridge. I live by La Llorona Creek. What'd you call it? <laughs> like La Girona, uh, she's the one that will like drown your children. Uh, I live by her creek, but technically, <laughs> all these weird, freaky bridges. And I'm like, I want to see them all. Wow, like, come on, gotta collect them all. <laughs> all right, can we like talk about music now? <laughs> yeah, what were you a drummer too? No, I played French horn. Oh, cool. I wanted to play that so bad, but I come from a town of like two people, and they're like, Why would we play French horn? <laughs> So I settled with clarinet. Yeah. Basically, all we had was clarinet, flute, trumpet, trombone, trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Anything you could have a pep and a marching and a classical band with. Like, if you could do all three, because we didn't have any separate anything, it was good times. <laughs> Hey guys, we want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Modern Fertility. I am super pumped about it. I'm going to spit some facts, Natalie. So, what will you learn? One, if you have more or less eggs than average. Two, what you could expect from IVF or egg freezing. Three, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which one in ten women have. Four, your general hormone health, which is a window into your broader health. You'll have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and come up with a game plan. You get access to a team of fertility nurses, a weekly webinar, and their online community of a like-minded women. All test results are conducted in a CLIA certified lab and modern fertility's team of physicians and clinical advisors lead some of the nation's top fertility clinics. Shipping is free, hello, on all orders. And we only ship in the U.S. 
So this is the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women ever, and you can take it at home. You get a choice. You can go to the lab if you want to, but I chose that at home. And like I said, one in six couples have trouble conceiving, and we just have so many tools to prevent pregnancy, but this is really the first tool to help have pregnancy. I'm 35, so I'm at that age where like, if I want to have kids, this is when I need to really figure it out. And even with Natalie, I know you don't want kids, but you know, you still want to know what your hormone health is like. Exactly. Or, you know, something's down the road. You just like freezing my eggs just in case or something like that. Hormones be wild and y'all, it can make your hair all like fall out. (laughs) I'm trying to think what else it does. Like it's like everything, like your skin health, everything. Proactive fertility hormone tests aren't covered by insurance most of the time. And it can cost upwards of $1,500. Yikes. And the best part is this test is $159. And if you use your code, you get $10 off. And it's so easy. It's at home. It's complete hormone panels. All you do is do the test, send it back to them, and you receive your results in under 10 days. So I sent mine in yesterday, and I'm anxiously awaiting mine. And this test gives you access to information you need to help plan ahead or navigate the world of fertility. And they also accept your FSA and HSA accounts. Those are hard to say. Bless you. But helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So any woman in their 20s or 30s can benefit from this test. If you want to have kids in the next five years, if you're trying to get pregnant now, if you're considering freezing your eggs or IVF, if you're a mom considering another pregnancy or child, if you suspect your hormones are imbalanced, if you switched or went off birth control and you experience hormonal symptoms, if you suspect you have PCOS, if you're approaching menopause, yes, you can test if you're on birth control. All right, if you guys want to use our code, it's modernfertility.com forward slash historical AF. Again, that is modernfertility.com slash historical AF. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash historical AF for $10 off. <laughs> yeah, transition. Do we want to roll the dice to see who goes first? Sure. Oh, man. Nina actually made dice for us for the different things. And then I forget all the time. <laughs> Spooky, that's me. All right. After researching this, I am a thousand percent sure that we have to road trip and go here. So I did this Cincinnati Music Hall. Have you guys ever seen it? No. At least not off the top of my head, though. <laughs> I'm going to give you a visual before we get started. Give you the full effect. Let me share the screen. Technology, I can figure it out. I can do this. this oh, I should have seen it. The picture's a little small, but okay. I see it. Small. Yeah. Okay. Every time I look at big, put it in another screen. So that's what it looks like. Very, oh, no, that's the ghost. That's a spoiler alert. Don't look at that. (laughs) Yeah, it's really big and expansive. It's very pretty. (laughs) Okay, so it was built in 1878, and it was built with private money, Ray's, and it's believed to be the nation's first matching grant fund drive. So that's a weird fact I never knew I needed. And Hmm. this classic entertainment venue is considered one of the best and most beautiful concert theaters in the world. So not just the U.S., it's like world-renowned. It was designed by Samuel Hannaford in the high Victorian Gothic architectural style. 
This elegant building covers two and a half acres and it's 372 feet long along Elm Street. So she big. And at the <laughs> tallest point, the pinnacle on the front of the gable is 150 feet high. So she really big. The High Victorian Gothic was like this eclectic architectural style and movement during the you know mid to late 19th century. And it's closely modeled after a great architecture of medieval Europe. So like normal Gothic architecture. This one in particular, the facade of the Cincinnati Music Hall includes sandstone designs that speak to the purpose of each of the three sections. So you have music symbols such as French horns. Huh? <laughs> I didn't even know that. <laughs> and a lyre, and it is in the central portion. And then there's gears and hammers, and they're prominent in the North Hall, which is known as the Machinery Hall. And there's flowers and foliage that adorn adorn, adorn, adorn the South Wing or the Horticultural Hall. I just started. God damn it. (laughs) So the designs represent its dual purpose and it houses musical activities. And then it also does industrial exhibitions and also does horticulture. So it's like a between the main hall and each wing was a passageway where carriages could pass through and drop, you know, the rich bougie people off. So that's (laughs) fun. And then inside there's ornate elegance as there's a 1,500-pound Czechoslovakian crystal chandelier that hangs in the auditorium. It's 21 feet in diameter and has 96 candles with 60-watt bulbs. And then every year it's lowered and cleaned by hand, and it takes two and a half days. Jeez Louise. It's not really important to my story. I was just like, Jesus, that's a lot of, like, scrubbing. Yeah, <laughs> I would not stand under that, ever. It reminds me, uh, when I was in college... We went to the Clinton Library, the presidential library, and there's this giant chandelier. And we went after hours because my teacher was the director of the library or whatever. And he was like, yeah, before I got here, I heard that they used to just tie a rope around somebody and they would just lean over the railing to clean that chandelier. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what if somebody let go or like you just unraveled? You're dead. Like, Yeah, like, that's a lot of trust. It's like the top floor. It makes me think of those memes of, like, why women live longer than men. And there's, like, all those stupid-ass shenanigans that men will think, oh, this will work. Yeah. Yeah, and it's oh, like a beer. It's like a Tahuli <laughs> sculpture, so it's all twisted and stuff, you know? Like, his little blowing glass. I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I'm afraid of heights. I would have never done that. Although I do oh, think, I like, if you lowered it to the ground where I could clean it, I'd be cool with that. But no, no, no. And it also has auditoriums, it has a foyer, offices, carpentry shops, rehearsal rooms, dressing rooms, and ballrooms. So she's got a lot of stuff going on. In the early years, the music hall hosted tennis matches, presidential speeches, a roller skating academy, and organ concerts. So many little purposes, you know. And today, musical artists take center stage, and the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra performs soundtracks to Harry Potter movies which I thought was pretty cool, even though J.K. Rowling is being very disappointing right now. (laughs) The building was designated a National Historic Landmark in 1975, and they had a massive $143 million renovation in 2016. That's a lot of money. What I would do with that money. I'm just looking for $1 million to buy this B&B. $143 is just, I don't know. God damn it, Zeke. It's like, it's like the dentist 
<laughs> Can you hear it, Megan? Can you hear the drilling sound? Yeah, a little okay. bit. Honestly, before you. Yeah, it's just like a little yeah, mosquito. <laughs> Oh my god. Like I'm not saying anything. You're like, really? I'm like, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. So in 2006, it was actually listed as one of the top 10 most endangered buildings in Ohio. That's probably why it was so expensive. Anyway, the historical aspects of the music hall were restored while the renovation simultaneously blended in modern upgrades and amenities. Features of the renovated hall include new seating in the Springer Auditorium, additional restrooms, new elevators, and concession areas, and also a larger stage that extends farther from the auditorium. And I saw that, like, they added a 90-ton, like, suspension area for props and stuff for, like, Broadway shows. I'm like, that's huge. So they just do it all. Yeah, they do everything. Yeah. While countless historical details were restored, the greatest changes can be seen in the Corbett Tower, where the drop ceiling was removed to reveal an additional 14 feet above it. They also found a bunch of windows that were bricked over, and they opened those up. Makes me wonder, why are you hiding up there? Like a hunchback situation? (laughs) What's what's in this weird enclosed area? Right now, it's actually open, but not technically open because, you know, COVID, but like the renovations were over, so if it wasn't for everything happening, it would be operational right now. It's home to the oh shit! It's home to the Cincinnati <laughs> Symphony Orchestra, and it's the sixth oldest symphony orchestra in the entire country. Wow, that's cool. That's pretty cool. And it's home to the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra, the Cincinnati Opera, which is the nation's second oldest opera company, and the Cincinnati Ballet, and the May Festival, which is the longest-running choral festival in the Western Hemisphere. So she impressive. She's checking all these boxes. She got everything. And she got a lot of spooky shit. So what's really? the catch? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if none of this were enough, the hall has a reputation as being one of the country's most haunted buildings. So, hmm. That's why they renovate it and like add all the stuff, you know, deflect. Yeah. Deflect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Cincinnati has been known for a long time to be haunted as fuck. And the Cincinnati commercial in 1875 quoted, but nevertheless, we occasionally hear of some uncanny places, even in the practical pork packing Cincinnati, where the dead render the lives of the living a burden to them. In other words, everything's haunted and they're just pissed off the living people getting in their way. (laughs) I thought that was a great quote. (laughs) The music hall sits on property that was once occupied by an immense set of wooden, quote, exhibition buildings, which had their own haunted history. According to the Cincinnati commercial, quote, the site occupied by the buildings is none other than the old potter's field. And if you don't know what a potter's field is, it's a burial place for, it says strangers in like the official thing, but just like homeless people and then poor pauper people. So, Really, really sad. Anyway, uh, which formerly extended west beyond the bed of the canal, uh, which is why it was abandoned. About, uh, I just missed a whole sentence. I'm so professional. Are you not nervous yet? I told you, I just keep messing up. And by the time people be there, they're just like, "Ah, I can do better than she can do. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the most correct (laughs) I've ever heard. (laughs) This is very accurate. (laughs) And like how I flumble through all my words too. 
This is old timey speak. That's probably why I can't do it. Okay, quote, the site occupied by the buildings is none other than the old Popper's Field, a burial place for paupers and strangers, which formerly extended west beyond the bed of the canal, which was abandoned to other uses about 35 years ago. When the canal was cut through the soil, enriched with human remains and sown with human bones, about a hundred skeletons had to be removed and committed to the already overcrowded place of nameless graves now covered by buildings. So that's a very ominous quote from like the 18 whatevers. Lots of dead people. So they've been doing this ever since? Yeah, this is even before they built the music hall. This is just the weird wooden (laughs) building there before them. (laughs) (laughs) But there's another more grisly source of human remains, which... Holy shit, guys. Okay, so, quote, when the steamer the Moselle in 1838 exploded her boilers above the site of the present waterworks and blew the skulls and limbs of blackened trunks of her passengers all over the city. This is a quote. So that falling bodies fell through roofs of houses. The remains of victims were gathered together and buried in the spot now covered by the south end of the horticultural hall. Can you imagine you're just sitting down minding your own fucking business in a fucking burnt trunk of a person a torso comes through your roof no <laughs> god uh, i i can't even process how terrifying that horrible that would be and, and for reference that's the south wing of the music hall which was the horticultural Ugh, yikes so the Moselle was a steamboat built in Cincinnati, and it was one of the largest and fastest boats of her era. On the 25th of April, 1838, she left Cincinnati for St. Louis with 250 to 300 passengers on board, and the boat's boilers exploded, and everything from the paddle wheels shattered into splinters, and everybody died. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Even in 1875, any excavation at the exposition buildings turned up skeletal remains. An elevator shaft sunk into the power hall required the removal of more than a barrel full of skulls and bones, which were, quote, placed under the floor of another portion of the building. That seems like not what you should do. <laughs> I love Megan's face for when you see this one. <laughs> Excuse me? Let's just move them and place them back. Oh, not get rid of them. No, no, no. Wow. <laughs> and the commercial, which is the newspapers, noted Sorry, that in addition to the Potter's Field, the site of the exposition buildings was also an orphan asylum and a Civil War military hospital. So lots of dead people. A little more on that. In 1832, a cholera outbreak in Cincinnati killed 832 people, which resulted in a lot of orphans, hence the orphan asylum. In response, they built it. Next to where the music hall is now. And then, you know, because when you have a building and a people die, you build it around that. So everywhere there was like unmarked grave. That's now where the music hall is. So that's great. And then they also called it a pest house. And that's where they put people that had infectious diseases, which just seems rude. <laughs> like you're dying. You got a disease. Go to the pest house because you are inconveniencing me with your death i 1900s 1800s were not great for people is it great now (laughs) no (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've been on Facebook. That's shame. <laughs> I mean, some things have gotten better. Some things have gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's always awesome. All about perspective, I guess. <laughs> For 20 years, the grounds around the hospital were used to bury the homeless and those who had killed themselves that's really sad and instead of coffins the dead were just bundled and dropped into the ground according to the book ghost hunting ohio of course (laughs) very prestigious source i'm just saying in 1876 the land was turned over to the music hall association and this is from the cincinnati magazine because it was just really extra not a foot of ground lies under the exposition building unoccupied by moldering bones. Human bones which ringed worms have long since tired of gnawing. It was, of course, natural enough that the ghosts disinterred from the bed of the canal and the ghosts claiming kinship with the bones disinterred to make room for the elevator should cease to rest. So I just thought that was really extra and that's really great for me. So my question is, why... Did the music people decide this was a good purchase? They're like, I really want that fucking land. Like, all those bodies, all the dead (laughs) stuff. Yeah, Uh, totally. That is because music people can't afford anything else. It was cheap. You get a bunch of dead bodies and some ghosts for eternity, but you can afford it. Wow. You know? That's, um... Also metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the exposition buildings weren't very old in 1875. So, like, this is 1875, and they're like, it's already haunted as fuck. So, this is like a new favorite haunted place. <laughs> so, it's only been like five years operation, but the commercial described the vast wooden structures as dingy, gloomy, and grotesque. And they were demolished in 1876 to make way for the new music hall. At night, Watchmen was only too happy to give a commercial reporter an earful about paranormal mischief. Quote, the weirdest and strangest noises would occur at intervals at night. Rappings on the ceiling, under the floor, on the doors and windows. The sound of stealthy footfalls behind me or of loud trampling before me. The crash of heavy timbers thrown from the ceiling. Of glass dashed upon the floor. Of heavy bodies being dragged over the planking. These never ceased except during exposition time. Why don't you talk that great now? Like the 1800s every... Like this guy's just fancy he sounds. <laughs> and that's just... I don't think I could have a try. The watchman reported loud knocking on the front doors one snowy night. When he opened the doors, no one was there, and there were no footprints in the freshly fallen snow. He never saw any ghosts, but he felt them frequently. Quote, they never touched me, but I was always... Okay, that's not... But I always know... I'm trying to... It's... It's a but it's not... That's right. He says, I always known when they are around. It's always no. Okay. But I always know when they are around. This is why we don't talk that way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I always know when they are around by an icy chill, a thrill as of electricity, a feeling like what the French call, oh shit. (laughs) Po de pole? Po de pole? Great. Nailed it. The only okay. person that would know that was wrong was Dolphine. <laughs> yes. She's a doesn't now. matter if you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I saw she got her citizenship yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, so proud. So excited. Yeah, we're going to celebrate tomorrow. Oh, so tell her, congratulations. I already told her, congr- tell her again for me. Congratulations. 
Uh, Delphine is another librarian that Keena and I have both worked with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, now currently, Keena used to. (laughs) Po de plet means goose flesh, which is funny because all over the country people will say goose flesh or goose pimple or goosebumps. What do you say, Megan? I say goosebumps, I think. Yeah, I say goosebumps too. Yeah. What do you guys say in the comments? Are Are you goose pimples, goose flesh, or goosebumps? Pimples are unhygienic. (laughs) (laughs) This is still part of the quote. They never annoy me now by mere knocking and rapping for I have gotten used to it. So used to it that sometimes when people have really knocked at the door, I don't open it because I thought it was only the dead. (laughs) They just keep knocking, knocking, knocking. So I guess that would be a uh, downfall of being in a haunted place. You don't know when the knocking is actually a real human. Yeah, I mean, if I don't know someone's coming, I'm not answering the door anyway. So yeah, yeah. that's how I, I used to run. Actually, I, I, that happened. <laughs> I don't know. I, I do the same thing. I like if we're getting delivered. Emory <laughs> just thinks I'm a cat. Like I'm just a kitty cat. Yeah, yeah. Door. I'm like, time to leave. And yeah. uh, I'm to the other room while Emory looks like the fat ass with her four pizzas and breadsticks <laughs> and things and a couple two liters <laughs> and a dessert. <laughs> I have no idea. Someone else is there. <laughs> I'm sure he's not like Natalie. Food's here. And you're just like crickets. <laughs> like as they walk away. No, he actually doesn't even pretend that he's just like, God damn it, Natalie. <laughs> because he has to like put on pants. That's why you click. That's the only thing like good that came out of COVID is you can click contact contactless delivery and they just leave it at your door you don't even yeah that's a pretty swell that needs to stay forever because i'm really enjoying that i'm afraid no one will be social ever again oh yeah it's completely way even going out in public for the little bit i've done like i'm like man i'm pretty awkward but it's intensified i went to get (laughs) paint not too long ago for a room we're painting and uh the guy was just like i need you to like he just had this look like i need you to go I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know how to public anymore. Can you please just be patient? So the walkman reported something in the main hall that sounded like a man marching and dragging a musket across the wooden floor. A medium witnessed it as well and claimed that it was a soldier, perhaps one that died in the military hospital. The old exposition building was demolished in 1876 to accommodate the new music hall. According to the architect, George Roth, the construction of the music hall was fast-tracked before the drawings were even off the drafting board. Demolition of the old hall clearing off the site, which unearthed numerous graves requiring reinterment in the Spring Grove Cemetery. And the excavation was started. And this was October of 1876. So another second time they've pulled up a giant shitload of dead bodies. Although many skeletons were moved to Spring Grove, not all were. Excavations in 1927 uncovered three coffins, which were reburied in the basement. So, like, I think this is the same people that are like, let's, we found a bunch, a barrel full of skulls. Let's put them in this other part of the building. Nobody thinks to move them. Yeah, like, what's the point of digging them up? Just I know, right? And another expansion uncovered 65 graves, earning that side of the music <laughs> hall the nickname Valley of Death. It's valid. 
In May 1988, another elevator shaft would cover 207 pounds of bones encased in concrete. That's a lot. That's a lot of bones. Why are they in concrete? Nobody explained that anywhere. But they ended up in the anthropological study at the University of Cincinnati. Are you okay? <laughs> Thank you, Megan, for joining us. Did you hear that? This one story forever. God damn. <laughs> the fun part is that he's probably fine. It's probably like a dog. <laughs> no, he yelled, I said yes. <laughs> <laughs> Betty tripped. <laughs> <laughs> that was the anger I heard in the voice. Oh, it tripped. I'm really sad I missed it. <laughs> it's usually me. I'm not that mean. Okay. I need to stop laughing because there's so many dead people. <laughs> <laughs> and no one does anything about it. That's the yeah. I mean, the dead it's a lot. That's a lot to take in. But oh. No one's doing shit about it. That's equally like kind of surprising, I guess. All right. So <laughs> here's just a few more ghost stories. Now we know why it's haunted. Just so many dead people. All right. So a longtime employee of the organization's base at the music hall testified <clears throat> in the presence of ghosts. The late Cincinnati Pops music director Eric, but with an H, that's different. Kunzel, 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 I think he's German, who spent many nights at the music hall working on programs and arrangements, believed that they were basically quite friendly. Quote, they're definitely in this building, some sort of spirits. If anybody thinks I'm nuts, come here at three or four in the morning. <laughs> the Cincinnati Opera CEO and general director Patricia Begg spent many nights at the music hall during opera season and says she too felt their presence. She related an experience a fellow opera employee had in the 1990s. Quote, one of our employees came down here one day during our season when we were dark and he brought a little three-year-old son, Charlie, with him. They went out on stage and Charlie was enjoying pretending like he was performing. And all of a sudden he looked over and said, Daddy, who's that man in the box? Oh, children are so scary. <laughs> that was then Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra music director Jesus Lopez Cabos's box. Which is a which is box nine, and his father Tom said, "There's nobody in that box, Charlie." And he says, "Yes, there is. He's waving at me right now." And so with that, <laughs> packed up and they left very quickly, which is the appropriate reaction. Terry Kidney has worked for the music hall for over twenty years because the ghostly experiences she's heard about have been happy. She thinks the spirits inhabit the music hall are perhaps people who had at one time attended events here and had a really great time. And I think that's just a really sweet thing. Like, they just like music. They had a good time there. And they're like, this is it. This is where I'm going to haunt. I pick <laughs> Which is what I've heard for the libraries. Like, I've been to two ghost hunts in a library. And that's what the ghost hunter people are like. Maybe they just like the library and decided they just want to hang out here. I would like to think I have a choice. I wonder if the noises they made were ever part of, like, the symphonies. Ooh, we're going to get to that. Oh. She quotes, one of our box office people was working at the window and there was a ding outside. The bell indicates somebody's at the window and there was nobody there. The buzzer kept going off and she finally left the box office and went outside. When he didn't see anybody, he went inside and it just kept dinging. So he went back out again. At one point, he was back in the box office and he felt a tug on his shirt sleeve 
He looked down and there was a little boy in period dress. He had knickers on, a little cap and everything and was tugging on him. Ghost children are just a big nub for me. They're always demons. <laughs> Ghost adults are uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've heard too many stories where like demons pretend to be children because they think they won't scare you. No, they're more terrifying. <laughs> I love Megan's reaction when you said that. It's <laughs> <laughs> <was> like pass. <laughs> no. So John Inks, Inkst, oh, I'm sorry, dude, was the night watchman at the music hall for quite a few years. And he had a lot of stories about ghosts and happenings during the evenings and late nights when he worked. He wrote an account, which is online and is handwritten. And it's kind of really cool. Anyway, so this is what he said. A summary. I re-entered the elevator and closed the doors. The music was still there and I'm starting to tingle now. I opened the rear of the elevator, entered the adjoining hall. No sound. I returned to the elevator to proceed to the tower and it closed up and the music started again and it was beautiful as ever. For nearly two weeks, I could not approach the elevator shaft without my whole body tingling. So he heard just random music. Hmm. He said it was beautiful. I mean, if you're going to haunt a music hall, at least do a full orchestra for somebody. Right. And then finally, Matthew Zori, a bass player with the Cincinnati Pops in Cincinnati uh, Symphony Orchestra, who also runs a photography business, was inside the hall when they're doing renovations in 2016. And he snapped a couple of photos. And a lot of people were like, oh, shit, you caught a ghost. So I'm going to show you those pictures. I don't know. To me, I mean, if he's like a real photographer, I wouldn't think it's like dust. But you know how people are like, it's a ghost. And it's like a fingerprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see it? Yeah. The golden. It looks like a light flare or something. Yeah, I just don't see it. Like, I mean, I guess there's another one. Where's it? Megan, do you believe in ghosts and stuff like that? No, I was just about to ask y'all that question and I like suppressed it and I was like, no, I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> no, we're doing it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've heard people talk about things that have happened to them and they've been like, oh yeah, I definitely believe in ghosts. But I, I don't know how I feel about ghosts, honestly. There's the other one. At first I was like, I see it, but I just think that's somebody sweeping. <laughs> So you can't use logic and look at it. I know. Well, I think, <laughs> I think they meant that, and I was like, if that's the ghost, then I'm a hundred percent on board. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's just the little blob. How do y'all feel about ghosts? I don't know. I want to believe, but everything, <laughs> every story I do, I can debunk everything, and I'm like, this is getting very disappointing. <laughs> I mean, I've had a couple experiences when I was younger that I can't explain and some weird shit. So I kind of believe, but I think I want it too much. I like go places thinking I'm going to see a ghost and then I never see anything. It's very disappointing. I'm a no. You're a no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd like to think. Granted, but I'm not religious either. And I I like to think we, we are all connected in some way, just kind of like. I know when my mom's about to call me almost every time. Like yeah. I pick up the phone, I start thinking about her, and then within a minute she'll call me. So I'm like, I like to think we're connected in sense. And granted, even though I don't believe in ghosts, I'm afraid of the dark. 
I will admit that. Probably because anytime I watch a scary movie, especially, and granted, I've lived in an apartment or the dorms since for the past 10 years. So like all the bumps and everything from neighbors, I've had to get used to. So, I mean, I do have like irrational phobias or whatever, <laughs> but I'm aware that nothing is there. Like, I don't, I don't think anything's there. It's just like, I don't want my foot hanging off the bed because I've seen too many scary <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm completely rational. I don't know what <laughs> yeah, I think I've only had when I was a teenager, this one person I was friends with, her house just freaked me the fuck out. Like I'd wake up and all my jewelry was taken off and it'd be laying next to me. And I'm a light sleeper, so if somebody like physically did that, I would have woke up and then it just I don't know. I used to have dreams like where dead people would talk to me. But then I grew up and now nothing happens. And now I go to haunted places and I literally can't find something. So then I grew up. Yeah. It's like, you don't, I don't know if it's like imagination. Like, yeah. But like, so my best friend died in 2015 and her daughter was eight months old when she died. So there's no way she remembers her, but when she was getting older and could talk and stuff, she would say things. And one time like I got one of Ray's rings when she died and I was wearing the ring and she's like, Oh, you're wearing mama's ring. And I was like, this is when she was like two or three or something. She spoke very well for a tiny human. And then she's like, mama says she saw you at her grave today. And I was like, how would she know that I was even there? So stuff like that. Yeah. Like she was talking to her mom and I couldn't explain. And then I think one time she wrote Rihanna's like, we called her Ray, but her name is Rihanna. She like wrote her signature or something. And we're like, how did you even know how to, you can't even spell yet, kid? <laughs> like, it was just really weird. Yeah. That made me believe. But then I was also like, yeah. Really experience anything. I mean, I, f- I feel like I'm like an empath, I guess, in a sense, but I feel like that's completely different than, yeah. I've never had experiences, but I can't like knock people's feelings on it because I don't know. I've never been there and experience it. So, Personally, I've never encountered anything. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Ghosts are completely real. And I'm, yeah, that's it. But I'm not going to say it's not true either. So, yeah, I mean, I respect it. Like if people believe it, because I know that you've experienced something and no matter what I think, like you for sure think it's real or felt this. So I'm like, I'm not going to say that it didn't happen or whatever. Right. No, I really... I don't know. I keep on going all these like most haunted place in Arkansas, most haunted place in Texas and nothing. I'm like, come on, give me something. But you know, they have all these shows on it now too. And like, I'll see previews or watch a couple episodes or like going to these haunted hotels and they're like, Oh my God, run death. Ah, I'm like, what are they feeling? What's going on? Like, is this real shit? I don't know. But then, you know, people go to stuff and they're like, it it was just a room. So I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. I went out. Like the library ghost hunts. There was like one time where they asked what, because we had a director, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but he died suddenly or whatever. And somebody's like, what's his last name? And I said it. And then when they were recording it afterwards, they sent me the recording. And right before I say Baskin, somebody says Baskin before me. And I was like, huh, I was physically there. Nobody said it before me. So things like that, I'm like, I want to believe. I'm like, what are the chances? Uh, Jeff Jeff said we're the conscious parts of the universe experiencing itself. Oh, that's like, very cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. Deep. Well, they say there's like, 
there's like the type of hauntings that's like residual. So it's just like people reliving their lifetimes in our space and just, I don't know, the universe is so weird. It is. I'm well aware that I know nothing except what might be on Google. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's like very small. I know nothing unless it's on Google. Like, <laughs> Google everything. That's true. It's, there's literally no way to know. I would like to think there was, but then it's kind of sad because then people say if you're a ghost and you have unfinished business or you're like sad or some shit. I don't know people do that. <laughs> I'm torn. Have you seen the show Upload? Oh, yes. It's so good. It's kind of a new series. It came out right before the quarantine started or right when it began. It was It's really cool because basically you choose to upload your consciousness to a virtual reality or you can choose to die normally and if you believe in heaven and stuff so it's just really neat i would want that definite virtual reality i'd rather have that than risk being gone but that's me i just love that they put the money aspect where like you have to because that's what would happen yeah that's exactly Uh, what would happen it would turn into like you just have to be rich to be able to afford it and you'd have to keep on paying and they'd threaten to shut you down if you don't pay and I'm like well that's stressful mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be my only thing is i don't want my afterlife to be stressful I just i have enough anxiety <laughs> in my normal life <laughs> i need the next thing to be calm yeah, yeah. <laughs> i get that i do 100 mm. all right so music I do. yeah <laughs> So what, Megan, do you want to go next or do you want me to? I can go next. It's going to be equally awkward no matter when. So (laughs) it's all good. That's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) First and foremost, I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan. Dave Grohl, he's the front man for Foo Fighters. He was the drummer for Nirvana. Just like a huge inspiration of mine. He's just funny. I want, like, I've. Speaking of creeping, I've definitely like watched all his interviews, all this stuff. So I don't know when it was like a year or so ago, David and I came across this video of him on stage and it's just like a normal kind of concert, you know, outdoor venue type thing. People are hands in the air, all kinds of stuff. So the next thing you know is he's no longer on the stage. He's gone down. No more Dave Grohl. And you can't see what's going on. So you're like, what the hell just happened? And then the next thing you hear is like him in the mic saying, I think I just broke my leg. And then it's like, oh, yeah, you did, cheering. You know, they're like, yeah, this is what we came for. And he's like, no, no, I think I really broke my leg. Like he's dead ass serious. Just broke his leg. So (laughs) we're dying. Like it's funnier when you see the video, but. I'm just like, wow, this really happened, and they really didn't believe him. So there's a lot of commotion going on. He's, like, laying down. And the next thing you know is, like, people are helping him up. And you're like, so what's about to happen? Like, are are these people going to mob him because now he's broken his leg? He can't perform? Like, what's – I don't know. I'm I'm on edge. So then he tells them, like, hey, I'm going to go to the hospital. They're going to fix my leg, and I'm going to be back. And they're like, hell yeah, you are, because you're Dave Grohl and we came to see you kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in your mind, you're like, this is really not happening. This is not, there's no way he's going to 
do this show. There's no way like he's no, there's just not. So the next thing you know, he actually went to the hospital and he does come back. And the next time he comes back, he's like just sitting down, his legs all propped up and casted up and he's finishing the show. And I'm like, first of all, who the fuck does that? Like first and foremost, right? like leaves the venue, goes to the hospital, comes back and is like, we got a show to do. <laughs> so started doing a little more research into like what happened. It happened during the second song of the set. So, you know, that's pretty early on, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he did. He went to the doctor and he told them the I don't, the story said something about like a paramedic doctor. I don't know what the difference between that and a paramedic or that and a doctor is, but it was a combination of the two. <laughs> Still trying to figure that out in my head. He was like, no, the guy was like, I have to hold your leg up. Like, you can't just walk around. I have to hold it up. He's like, then you're going to come to this fucking show with me because I have to finish it. And he literally did. Like, they were sitting there. You could look it up. The person's just there, like, <laughs> holding his leg up while he's finishing the show. I'm like, well, okay, if I didn't love Dave Grohl any more than I already do, I definitely love him now. So then that's not all. It's not all. There's this article that comes up when I'm like looking into it a little more. <laughs> and it's like, you know, Dave Grohl pranks his fans. So I was like, was this all bullshit? Like, why would you do that? I'm really confused. <laughs> no. So apparently he really did break his leg. But what happened was like three years later, he was at the same venue and he decided to pull a prank on the audience. So he gets a stuntman. And so you're watching it. You know, they're all like getting ready. They're about to do their show. And the stuntman like walks out into the little, you know, extended stage area or whatever. And it's like a immediately he falls down. I mean, it looks totally real. And he's like pranking the audience. And they're all looking like, really? This shit just happened again? Like, what the hell? They're all like. The show hasn't even started, you know, like all this crazy stuff. And then the next thing you know, he just walks out and they just start rocking, you know, like. So it's not very extensive, but I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, I yeah. love Dave Grohl so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's probably one of the coolest humans ever. Just. Oh, he's best. so funny because, like, I watched an interview with him and, you know, there's just so much, like, cool shit about him in general other than the fact that he broke his leg and decided to continue like that still just blows my mind yeah <laughs> kind of like you know natalie and her strats same kind of principle there man like <laughs> anyway so he was in an interview and he was drinking a bottle of water he's talking about like hey man like did you know i didn't have to pay for this water like he's just so I don't know, consumed by the fact that he didn't have to actually purchase the bottle of water. And he's telling like the person interview, I'm like, I didn't have to buy this. <laughs> and, like years and years of fame. And he's still just like taking it back. <laughs> the fact that he doesn't have to buy a bottle of water. And I'm like, who are you? Who are you really? <laughs> and just crazy stuff like that. Like he used to sit in his room and I don't think he had a drum set at one point. So he like practiced on pillows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like just went around the pillows pretending it was the drum set. His whole first album, he um, he recorded by himself all the instruments. He just, like, would record one instrument and then record the next. And then he just, like, gave them all the tapes and stuff away to people to try to get himself out there. It's just crazy. Like, that's a lot of talent. And his mom was, like, a teacher. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. He, he just, like, Everlong, he went back and recorded all the instruments himself. 
Yeah. I'm like, oh, I love that song so much. <laughs> uh, I saw him in concert once. Carrie, who's a Patreon, we were in college. And for my birthday, she got us floor tickets to see through fighters and i have never been so happy in my life to be like that close to Dave Grohl. yeah man, <laughs> like, he played I'm... every instrument yeah and it was amazing and they did a solo like every single person got to do a solo they even had a triangle <laughs> solo and i didn't even know a triangle solo could be so badass and so <laughs> rock and roll and i was like yes yes yeah he's amazing. one of those people i definitely want to like sit down and just have a beer with and be like hey man like let me pick your brain like, let's, yeah, let's he's arguably <laughs> one of the best drummers of all time. I would argue that. Like, he's yeah. one of the best. He can be. Oh, it's just amazing. I love his drummer. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Like yeah. the concert I went to, they had like a dueling drummer thing, and I'm like, <laughs> you guys are both just fucking amazing. Although his drummer, oh, what's his name? Oh fuck, 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 fuck. Taylor. Uh, he. Yeah, he was the Alanis Morissette's drummer. I think he has an album coming out soon. The Taylor guy. Taylor, oh, I almost said Lautner. Isn't that the Taylor guy? <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Hawkins. It just sucks because, like, a lot of people talked about, you know, Dave Grohl's success was only because of Nirvana. And it was crazy because when you listen to him, he's like, you know, I, um, for a couple of years or I don't know how many years, handful of years, he didn't even want to play music because he just didn't have the drive after all that. And then he decided, like, no, I'm a musician. You know, this is what I'm meant to do. This is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people say that the only reason he's successful is because he was in Nirvana. But when you really look at him and how he practiced and how he made his albums, it's like there's no way that's not talent. Like, Oh, yeah. Man, no way. There's, there's really good documentaries on that, too. And he's just – he's one of if, the – he's one anything, of the goats. I think it's just a good thing on his resume, like mm-hmm. – but you can yeah. see that I have some success. I've done this, but he would have made it eventually. Oh yeah, or without it, like because he's just too good, too awesome. Yeah. Literally, Foo Fighters is one of those bands that every album gets better. Somebody might disagree with me, but like even no, the most recent like, stuff is so good. Yeah, yeah, you could have picked a better person. Like Foo Fighters yeah. is Kim's <laughs> band. It's my ultimate. <laughs> One thousand percent. Yeah, when you told me who you did, I'm like, that's gonna be perfect. (laughs) I just geek out. I love Everlong so much. Like, it's one of those songs that I have like a reaction every time I hear it. Yeah, like emotional, and I'm like, yeah, it's a very emotional song. I feel. I would have had a wedding. It would have been our wedding song. Who we eloped, but yeah, it would have been it. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Yeah, Yeah, to see him. Like, I have a friend who's a drummer, and he's like really energetic. Uh, to be polite, I mean, like a lot of energy. Um, <laughs> so when I watch those videos of Dave Grohl, I feel like that's just how he was. Because back in like the Gap, he was like this just scrawny, energy-filled guy, and you just see him like in the background doing this weird shit in all these interviews. And I'm like, how? Like, no, of course you're a drummer because there's no way. Like, I just feel like he was so squirrely. He had to be. <laughs> Most are. Yeah. <laughs> Um, um, I haven't. The less I've played over the years, the less I fidget now. But yeah, all drummers I've noticed tap and fidget and are squirrely. My cousin Jason never recovered. <laughs> like he's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the thing. And the practicing on pillows is actually recommended from directors half the times because. 
you get the muscles in your fingers and stuff. So you don't, because oh. when you're playing on a drum, you get the the bounce back from your drumsticks and yeah. beginners will rely on that. So they say, go home, practice on pillows. So you get the muscles for your fingers. Oh, that's cool. I didn't do that. That's why I never, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I never got as good as I should have been. <laughs> Like that. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was also the drummer for Tenacious D for a while too. He played Satan oh. in all their videos. <laughs> yeah, yes, he, he did. He yeah. played Satan. That was hilarious. Tenacious D was touring before COVID, and I was like, I'm gonna find them because Dave Girl will just pop up, and I'm like, Yeah, it has to happen for me. I just know it. But yeah, yes. damn COVID. I'm just kind of scared because I'm like, what if he's not that cool in real life? Like that, oh. that gives me a lot of anxiety. Because I know, feel like I have so much hope that he is. That I think we're, we're fine. Sorry, that's my dog. I'm sure he is. I have all the faith in the world that he still is cool in person. Yeah, I've like, never seen anybody call him like a dick or something. Like he's mm-hmm. always just been really cool. Yeah, but they do say don't meet your heroes. So. But it's so hard not to want to. Pedro's my hero. It's true. Uh, I see what she's like, Harry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can go on forever talking about Dave Grohl, so we better segue into something else. Yeah, y'all definitely have to watch the video because it's just, I don't know, I watched it a few times and maybe it's just me that thinks it's funny, but I think it's Oh, pretty. I do. Yeah, no, I it's hilarious. I had no idea that happened, so I'm like, I have to look this up after we're done. Yeah, it's true. Nobody else would have broke their leg and still come back. No, really. (laughs) My leg. (laughs) I need to meet him in my lifetime. If anybody can make this happen. (laughs) Um, I'd like to ask y'all, do y'all want historical or random? Which one's funnier? Because save that for the next episode. My morbid's dark. Y'all. So dark. Neither. <laughs> well, save random for next one because I know you're really say, excited about it. I will do that. So historical, I going off of like what y'all picked and everything. I went with the instrumental route Ooh. of music history. Anyways, this is from the British Museum. Did you hear that? Sorry, there's like. Random child screaming somewhere. <laughs> it's the ghost. <laughs> no, it's my neighbors. I know it. <laughs> they just, they're very loud. There's a little, ar- they have a little army of children and wow. Okay. So history of some random instruments that I think are really cool. One of them being the Mesopotamian lyre. Lyre? L Y R E? What is that? Lear. Lear? Okay. Words. I've never said that correctly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I second guess myself every time. Every or maybe time I'm just thinking of King Lear. I don't know. I could be wrong. Now I'm second guessing myself. Exactly. <laughs> so words One or the other. Words is what gives us anxiety, not people. <laughs> Thousands. So um, it's a really cool metal like this imposing silver lyre was played in Mesopotamia and which is basically around the area of um southern Iraq and this specific one that they actually have in the museum is over 4000 years old oh wow um music was important aspect of many celebratory and ritual occasions 
And the lyre is made of lavishly decorated silver with red limestone. And the frame tuners and strings are modern reproductions made from casts of the, because the wood basically has decayed over the years because you know, it's old. Um, and the decorated panels below, uh, there's a bull's head depict a fallow deer and a tree on a hill with a lion attacking a goat and a lion attacking a gazelle. So basically imagine a metal square with two rectangles coming off the sides and then connected with a stick on top and then strings. So like think of it like a heart basically, mm-hmm. oh, but okay. on the square, think of that as the body of a bull. So a bull's head is coming out of one of the corners of the square and underneath it, it shows lions attacking different animals, like in hieroglyphics basically. Wow. It looks pretty as hell. And in a minute when I'm done, I'll share my screen so y'all can actually if visually see this and listening to this, check our Instagram and our Facebook because Kina always posts some of the pictures of stuff we talk about and we'll share the link to this. That's metal. That <laughs> <laughs> could not have been said better. <laughs> All right. uh, next is a medieval acetol. It basically looks like a violin without the neck of it. Like it doesn't, the neck doesn't come out as far. Like it stops short and it's thicker. So it has like a handle underneath the strings. Um, it's a richly decorated instrument and it's got along the edges is really carved up like this little intricate detail of carvings. It was originally made between 1280 and 1330 um the specific one and it's basically a medieval guitar and it's usually four strings and (laughs) i know it's and it kind of like looking at the carvings like they could be talking about tenacious d it makes me think of like it could be satan's (laughs) guitar i see some rock and roll on that thing (laughs) basically metal that's our theme word of the day metal yes and it's kind of like the beginnings of a violin. Eventually, this did turn into the the violin. And the coat of arms of Queen Elizabeth I and her alleged lover, Robert Dudley, appeared on the silver plate of the headstock. So, like, they were big founders of this and actually kind of adopted it, basically, into their cultural class. Wow. Scandalous. I know. <laughs> Next is the ancient Egyptian harp. <laughs> um Keena's a big fan of Egypt. Okay. I'm such a nerd, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we're all here for it. I feel yeah. like you know. like Keena, this is a history podcast. I don't know what <laughs> I just think I fan girls too hard sometimes. I was like, yes. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe uh, <laughs> I think that's when you know you're doing your job right. Okay, so harps like this are highly decorated. And, of course, it was ancient Egyptian banquets. That's where they were often performed at. And this one specifically that I'm looking at was found in a tomb and is over 3,000 years old. The strings were plucked um, two at a time. And depictions of harps show that they could be accompanied by singers and, of course, other instruments. And it's funny. It's like a long 
It's like almost like a boomerang because it's curved. It's like your classic statue of a pharaoh. And, but instead of having legs, it then turns into a long neck. And it's all at a curve where it's the person's head. And then it turns its legs into a long neck. And then there's strings connecting the neck and the oh. person's head. It's oh, very wow. trippy. <laughs> it almost looks like the the front of the boat where the person is. Oh, okay. Yeah. The front of the boat. That's what it makes me think of. Hmm. Next is the an Arabian lute. The Arabian lute was made by the famous Iraqi. <laughs> I am the word. <laughs> um, it looks like it's funny. I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but it's Fawzi, like F A W Z I, Fawzi Munshid, and of Bajra in 1981. So this was is not as old as all the others. But it looks so cool. And the cedar wood soundboard was decorative details in ebony, rosewood, and bone. And the belly is made of strips of North Indian rosewood. And it's a really beautiful instrument. It, honestly, this one's probably the most generic looking because it's just like a classic lute. But it's very celebratory, though. There's the Chinese flute. The Dehua wares of the period of 80, 1600 to 1911. And it makes me think of a recorder, basically. It's like a super oh. fancy recorder, but it probably sounds <laughs> a lot better. Probably. Because um, this one is made out of like ceramics and iron. Wow. Oh. And different kinds of clay. wonder if it's heavy. <laughs> That's what I wonder too. Let's say. There's the Jewish shofar. Which is basically, it's like playing into a ram's horn. And that's what it is, actually. That's exactly what it is. It's a ram's horn. <laughs> what? Like, is that just a ram's horn? I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and today it's used mainly at the synagogue services during uh, high holy days of. <laughs> I hate words so much. <laughs> I, I've not heard this holiday, too. It's Rosh. Hashana? Yeah. That yeah, wasn't as right. bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> I just saw the the H-A-S-A-A-N-A-H, like eight and it's like Hasha Hana. And of course, um Kippur. And it was a distinctive sound, and of course it's blown following like a elaborate order of sounds and notes. So it's kind of it's not your typical instrument. Oh, and the last one I'm talking about is the Tibetan trumpet. And so trumpets like this were used in Buddhist temples across Asia, and they were blown to call monks to services and were usually decorated with textile streamers. And this large example that I will show you all here in a minute is made from a conch shell and decorated with gilt copper and stones. Oh, wow. And this one, it's a really cool dragon that stands in contrast to the background because on the the shell, it's got like that white cloudy look. And then it's just this gold dragon and it just looks freaking awesome. But I will share my screen with you all. Yes. Love a good dragon. Me too. Wow. Okay. That is not what I was imagining. Same. I didn't think so. <laughs> You described it so well, but I still did not see that in my head. I know it's not the same as seeing it. So yeah, that is the 
Tibetan trumpet. Oh, that's really cool. From the 18th century. Wow. Um, The other one, of course, that's the ram's horn. Okay. Quite literally. This one's the, (laughs) it's a wooden flute from the ancient Greeks. What is that? Okay. Yeah. It does look like a recorder. And that was the Chinese flute. Yeah. That's like a recorder. That's the super old clay metal recorder. <laughs> that is the lute. Okay. I've seen a lot of paintings with the lutes. This is the Egyptian harp. So this is what I mean by the. Yeah. Oh, okay. like, <laughs> it does look like they're ships. Yeah. And then come into the neck, and then there's the strings and whatnot. Cool. <laughs> wow. This is too funny. <laughs> I can't help it. I imitate people sometimes. All right. And this is the medieval Satol. So this is like Satan's, Satan's guitar. <laughs> okay, so when you said the handle was under the strings, I was really confused, but that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know what I mean? Like, see how the body is thinner? of the base and then it widens out towards the neck and then it creates that handle it's just really neat and then there is the oh I've seen that one before yeah yeah this is the one that's in the museum so like there's our bull's head and then beneath there's like lions attacking shit yeah what was it made of again uh silver I love this shit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so silver, good. and then I know it. What it did have wood on it, but they've replaced it. Oh, okay, with metal because it's four thousand years old. Wow, man, that's amazing. Anyways, oh. so I wanted to share that with y'all. Those are so good. I I love it. And you know, I love really- how music is so universally important to every culture that has ever existed. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's uh it's really interesting too that you can like get a whole music degree and there's stuff you don't learn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so much. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> there's too much. It's like history. Yeah. <laughs> a tiny fraction you learn. And then you're just like, oh, I didn't know anything. You yeah. get out of there. Like I learned a lesson. And then by the end of the day, I'm like, what did we talk about? In yeah. school? Like, universe, like music is a universal language. You don't even have to speak the same language and still feel it and understand <laughs> what's happening. And like, oh, it's just amazing. I think of the, the movie. Oh. <laughs> Planet of the Third Kind or. Something I can't remember. Close encounters. encounters, Yes. And yeah. (laughs) Nowhere close at all. I know. I was getting confused with a TV show in Close Encounters. But she knew. She knew. (laughs) This is, well, uh, yeah, that just doesn't surprise me. That's pretty great. (laughs) It could be very in thing with me half the time. Close encounters, but yeah, the aliens and humans talk with music and colors and sounds and stuff. So I just think that's cool. Like in real life, they've sent out music into space to see if somebody would answer. Camera, hold on, let me Google real quick. I know they've sent out like Beethoven and some other stuff to be like, maybe somebody will answer. How many years is it supposed to take to get a response? 
Oh, I don't know. Universe is very big. <laughs> uh, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> Just thought it is. Into space. Oh, if I didn't have Google, I'd be so stupid. I mean, I'm already pretty dumb, but like the Google machine makes me seem smarter. Or is Google like hindering us? I don't know. I wonder that too. Sometimes I'm so dependent on it. I'm like, what happened to my brain? I remember in school, people like, you have to learn math because you're not going to have a calculator on you all the time. Now I have a calculator on me all the time and I know no zero math. (laughs) I know nothing. Okay, my brain went exactly there with that (laughs) analogy. I was about to say the same thing. Okay, they've sent Johnny B. Good by Chuck Berry. Mm -hmm. Across the Universe by The Beatles. La 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 by Bald James Dean. I don't know what that means. Don't send Bieber. Okay. <laughs> uh, Beethoven. Oh, hold on. I got to click on it to make it bigger. You didn't tell me which number Beethoven. There's <laughs> so many. Okay. Um, blur. Where's that? It's like long. It just says blur. Uh, da, 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 da. A blurred line. British. A young British artist, Steve Flavor, Damien Hurst. I don't know. I'll skip that. Cut that out, Damien. Okay. Uh, Beethoven Symphony number six. Which one's that? <laughs> is that the da 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 da? Is that number six? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just because her and I both have studied. It doesn't mean we have the whole thing memorized. Uh, yeah. David does that to me all the time. He's like, what is this? I'm like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> number six. You can't I see me you, play this. Kinda, like that was your way to oh, grab oh, It's commercial. <laughs> God damn it. What is it with the two commercials lately? I know, right? God damn it. Oh. Aladdin. Chris Blizzing is like a whole new world. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why that one. I know. I don't think it's the most recognizable Beethoven. This is probably why. <laughs> probably. Uh, it makes me sad when other stuff's not as recognizable. 30 seconds to Mars? They sent that into space? <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> wow! Okay. All right. On. <laughs> Will I Am? <gasps> Which song? Uh, Reach for the Stars? Oh, that's not the best Will I Am song. Come on now. And then Buzz Aldrin said, I only have two passions, space and exploration and hip-hop. That's the quote he put in his face. I don't. Are you a real website? <laughs> Flavor wire? I don't think that's believable. I'm citing <laughs> my sources. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for coming with us and uh, hanging out for me. Almost said museums. Music part one. Yes. Thank you so much, Megan, for being here. It's so nice to see you and definitely check out her Instagram and look out for her book because what she writes is so inspirational and meaningful and 
it, it'll give you feels of all kinds. And so I, I highly recommend. And so check out our Facebook stuff. We'll put everything, but it's Megan Lee Lee is spelled weird. Megan spelled more time for us. L E I G H. <laughs> okay. Look it up. Like Vivian Lee from Calm with the Wind. I think that was how she spelled it. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, if you guys want to watch this live and see all the pretty pictures as we're talking about them, join Patreon. And then you get all to the comment. Yeah, and then you get to <laughs> listen to the other hour and a half I've cut out of this episode and <laughs> comment along. It's a great time. Great investment. That's patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And in case you have not subscribed, which I do recommend, is, um, of course, check out all of our Facebook and Instagram for all of our links for either the articles that we look from or images and stuff like that. And, of course, Kina posts some super hilarious memes. And thank you, Dion. She says it's worth it. She's confirmed it. It's official. It's a thing now. (laughs) Always need stories. Please send in your stories of whatever's cool about your town or spooky stuff that you've experienced or someone else's experience. We're always looking for that. Yeah. What is it? Oracleafpod at gmail.com. Yes. Cool. And then we have merch. So that's shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. And all the weird shit we say is on a shirt. So <laughs> or a coffee yes. mug or a mason jar or, you know, stuff. So or a fanny pack. They have those now. That's cool. That's that's embarrassing. <laughs> 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 they have a really cute backpack. I will say that. And they have like, um, a backpack is one thing, but yeah, the fanny packs. Yeah, nobody's bought a fanny pack yet, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I won't uh, judge anyone for not buying a fanny pack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. So thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Megan will be back with us. So goodbye. Bye, Zs. Bye.